It was just an internship job. I didn't, I wasn't getting paid for it at first. And you just don't know what these opportunities can turn into. You get put in charge of setting up the practice fields. Okay. This is the job I'm given today. Maybe not the best job in the world, but I got to put my stamp on this. I got to execute it to perfection. It's fun, man. You're not able to, to participate on the on-field product, but that's when, you know, that thought's in the back of your head. You're like, wait, I can get paid to do this? This is going to be a real job? This is the Work in Sports Podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engage Learning at WorkinSports.com, Brian Clapp. I can't believe that 2015 was seven years ago. In my entire sports life, there has never been a more roller coaster year. Many of you are probably thinking to yourself, what's so special about 2015? I barely even remember it. What happened that year? I'll give you a quick recap. Pizza Rat, Hotline Bling, Left Shark, Whippin' the Nene, Netflix and Chill, and Hoverboards. Do you remember it now? 2015 sound a little more familiar? Take all those things, put them on the back burner. That's not what we're talking about. Let's stay on task. 2015 for sports fans was about Tom Brady and Deflategate. As a lifelong Patriots fan, 2015 is when I realized that I had to get off Facebook. Why did I spend so much time defending Tom Brady against random drive-bys? Why did I care so much that people I didn't know thought the Patriots cheated? Why did I know that a locker room attendant named Jim McNally would text an equipment assistant named John Jastrzemski wonderful nicknames like Dorito Dink? Why did I read the Wells Report? Why did I read the Patriots' response to the Wells Report? Why did I care so much? I was obsessed with defending my team by any means necessary. And by that, I mean on social media. I mean, I didn't really take anybody on. It's not really by any means necessary. But even in that scope, that was a colossal waste of time and energy. At the same time, because we're on a roller coaster here and there's ups and downs, my favorite team went on to win the Super Bowl that year against the Seahawks and by what I can only describe as the most magnificent, most engaging football game I've ever watched. Hence, the roller coaster of sports emotions. Seriously, that game had it all. And at various times, I did push-ups, jumping jacks, and squats while watching. I have no recollection of this because I was in a blackout phase for most of the game. It was so intense. But my wife and kids took videos, and whenever I deserve shame, they share them with me, and it's quite embarrassing. I don't know what I was thinking. For some reason, I thought I could muscle the team towards victory by doing jumping jacks in my own living room. I was channeling Rocky. I don't know what the purpose was there, but it clearly worked. You're welcome, Malcolm Butler. But since 2015, I'll admit, I haven't thought a ton about NFL equipment assistants. John Dostremski and Jim McNally faded into the background, passing fad. But this week, I was reminded just how cool equipment assistants in the NFL are. You see, the team here at Work in Sports, we work with about 50 different colleges and universities across the nation to teach their students career development skills. They want to work in the sports industry. We know a little something about that, so we teach in these classrooms. Southern New Hampshire University is one of those schools. And last week, a student from SNHU reached out to me to say how much he liked our program. That person was Chad Jessup, equipment assistant for the Los Angeles Chargers. And today's guest. Chad's journey to the Chargers is super cool. And as soon as I saw his role and my eye stopped twitching from thinking about Deflategate again, I knew I had to have him on as a guest. And I'm really glad that I did. Here's my man, Chad Jessup who also loves manipulating the balls. I'll let him explain. 
Hey, Chad. Great to have you on the show today. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Brian. This is cool. We've had some conversations with equipment managers before, both in the NBA. This is cool that we're diving into your experience, which leans more football side. Um, I love, as anybody watching on our YouTube channel can see, and Chad's background, he's got the helmet rocking, he's got the football going. Like, we know what we're talking about today. So uh, thanks for being here. Uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about this. For the last 10 years, you've been working as an equipment manager in pro football. You have experience with the Cowboys. You have experience with the Chargers. We're going to get into all that. But you started out a little more humbly, Mission Viejo High School doing uh, team manager type work. When did you figure out that this was something you wanted for your career rather than just kind of a, a fun activity while in school or contributing to the local high school? When did you figure out, like, this is what I want to do? That was a great question. Mission Viejo was a, an amazing program run by a, a great coach at the head time, Bob Johnson, winning us coach in California high school football history, um, offered me a lot of great opportunities at a very young age, but, and, and alumni graduating from there, you know, Mark Sanchez being the most prominent in yeah. the off season, Bob would host camp quarterbacks. He would have the, the, the local, uh, athletes working and getting ready for the draft and the combine at Mission Viejo high school. Mark would host his, his Jets West camp at Mission Viejo High School. So being around all these professional athletes, coaches yeah. who had been in the league, Rob Johnson, offensive coordinator, quarterback's coach, working under his dad. When you're with enough people that have been to the highest level of this sport and they, they see how you're working and how you're interacting with the coaches and players and they say, hey, you know, if this is something you want to do, I believe you could do it. I've been at that level and I've seen it. And if this is something you're interested in, it's there for you. And when you have that's enough people cool. tell you that, that's, that's when you start to, you know, that thoughts in the back of your head, you're like, yeah, wait, I can get paid to do this. This is going to be a yeah. real job. I found like when I first started to get into the, into the industry, like there was just that crazy feeling when you were around athletes or you're around the events and you're like, I want to recapture this feeling all the time. Like, I just love that that vibe that you get from being in sports. And it sounds like that stood out to you as well. Uh, looking at your bio, 2014 seems like a pretty big year for you. You got an opportunity to be the equipment assistant for the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl and also landed a training camp gig with the Dallas Cowboys. These have to be pretty competitive roles. How did you land the opportunity and what were kind of those big moments for you in, the, in, in that year? Mission Viejo and Bob Johnson are owed a lot of credit for where I'm at today in my career. Um, it's building the network. It's the strong network of alumni. I had already secured the training camp internship with the Cowboys. Uh, that was done through uh, Greg McElroy Sr. He was in the marketing department for the Cowboys at the time. And, it, you know, it was Bob's relentlessness. And, hey, mm -hmm. I've got this kid. Just trust me. I had had the privilege to work with uh, McElroy Jr., he was one of the locals who was working out at Mission Viejo, getting ready for the draft. And then he was with us for the Jets West camp. So yeah. as he's talking Alabama, to his dad, right? he can, yeah, Alabama quarterback. Yeah. He's now yep. with ESPN as a broadcaster, but right. he was able to say, Hey dad, you know, he's, this kid's, this kid's all right. He can put his stamp on it. Greg senior, never having met me, uh, that was able to secure the training camp position with the Cowboys. And then Joey Roberts, worked for ESPN for a long time. He was Mort's guy. He's now uh, in Nashville with, with Dilfer. But Joey got me the internship with NFLPA 
And I was kind of just a, a, an errand boy, a, a gopher sitting up in the offices and I was grabbing lunch. And I kind of worked my way down to the equipment room. They had the, the Chargers yeah. equipment staff uh, working down at the field level, helping both teams out. And I just kind of started to hang down there a little bit, hang out with these guys. These guys seem like yeah. they know what they're doing. Hey, can I lend a hand? I, I started shagging balls uh, the first day and I'm wearing slacks and uh, dress shoes. They thought mm-hmm. I was a little little wacky, but I, I saw a need. There, there were yeah. balls that were being kicked into the stands and, and yeah. no one was up there to go get them. So, hey, I'm going to go jump over there and shag some balls. I love this. Okay, so a lot of people, some people listening will hear that and be like, oh, he, he had this special opportunity to meet and to know people. But really, it's a balance of, yes, you met some people, but you built the relationship. And if you weren't skilled, if you didn't have the right attitude, if you didn't bring your all every day, they wouldn't have recommended you. So it's that balance of having both things, the skill and the building of the relationships, right? And Bob would be the first one to say that. I mean, he got me the, the training camp internship. He got my foot in the door, so to speak. He said, it's all you now. Yeah. I can only get you in the door. <laughs> Whether you stay there or make anything of this opportunity, it's on you. The NFL PA uh, experience was really important in my future with the Chargers and working with Kevin Duddy and, and the staff down there mm-hmm. that helped pave the way for that next opportunity. It was just an internship job. I, didn't, I wasn't getting paid for it at first. Yeah. And, and you just don't know what these opportunities can, can turn into. So taking even the, the smallest opportunity, someone gets on the phone and says, hey, I don't know if this is anything. And that's how it was presented to me from Bob. I don't know if this NFLPA thing is anything. It's, it's an all-star game in, in uh, Carson, California, right there at uh, what, what was StubHub at the time. But yeah. make it make of the situation what you can. I love that. I think that's great advice. I think it's so important to have a mentor like that that can really be your advocate. But again, I want to stress to everybody, the work is what gets you the job, not just knowing somebody. Like when people say it's not what you know, it's who you know, it always makes me upset because I think just knowing people isn't enough. You got to put in the work. You got to put in the effort to make it wouldn't, make it stick. Wouldn't matter. Yeah, it wouldn't matter. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. Cowboys, first introduction to big time sports. I mean, that is that is big time. I know Mission Viejo is huge, right? I, I'm an East Coast guy and I know Mission Viejo High School. Yes. Uh, but right. we went out East Coast a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard of it. Um, <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. Cowboys. Cowboys <laughs> is a different world, man. That is like big brand stuff. What do you remember most about that training camp with the Cowboys, your role, that whole experience? It was, I mean, I went from being a, a big fish in a little pond to a little fish in a really, really big pond. Really big one. A, a yeah. practice is is the scale that we're, I'm used to on a Friday night. And I didn't mm-hmm. think a stage got any bigger than a Friday night. Yeah. Kind of naive of me to think that, but that was the biggest thing I knew at the time. So then to go and see how much is goes into just executing a training camp practice when they have a midway and they have fan installations and vendors coming out and a pro shop and and all these other things, all these departments coming together, community relations, marketing to launch a single practice. Yeah. And, and we're on the field, obviously, as equipment managers and assistants and interns and, and trying to execute a practice. But there's just mm-hmm. such a larger picture that goes into it. Yeah. How do you not just stop and look around and be like, oh, my God, I got to pitch myself. This is insane. You got to put on blinders almost because yeah. and, and the fan access, the fans are right there and they're, they're grabbing your hand. They're, they're asking for balls. They're asking for anything. You just, you got to go into to a zone 
where, where you're just focused on the goal at hand. I love that point because so often people I'll talk to will be like, I'm the biggest sports fan. I know everything about sports and blah, blah, blah. And I'm always emphasizing to them, that's not a differentiator because fans are distracted. There's a job to do, right? You got to show up and put your blinders on like you're saying. If you're just a fan out there watching the players and enamored by everything they're doing, you're not doing your job. And teams do not like that. You don't you don't bring any particular value. The players, if if you're if you're fanatical, if you're a fan of them, they appreciate it, obviously, but you don't bring any value to how you can help them improve as an athlete, how you can help help the coaches improve as coaches with with a, yeah. a fanatical attitude. Yeah, and and they get that all the time. They get plenty of fans all over them all the time. I think the difference for those in the industry is that you're you're providing value, like you said. You're helping them get better. You're doing things that they need, and that's where that can, relationship can start to grow from. Okay, so you must have been pretty darn good at it and made those relationships pretty well because then your your internship went beyond training camp, right? You ended up getting into the season. How did that change? How is that different from the training camp experience to now in the season, pressure's ramped up. I think the scale's probably even bigger. What was that like? Training camp is, it's, it's a taste. And, and anyone trying to get an internship, like you said, get your foot, your foot in the door, your first opportunity. And, and any uh, job you're given, you want to uh, thrive. You want to put your stamp on, on that work that you're given. Now, as I enter the, the full seasonal internship, you, you get a little bit more responsibility. You get, you get you put in charge of setting up the practice fields and, and yeah. putting out all the gear for practice. Okay, this is the job I'm given today maybe not the the best job in the world, not the most glamorous job, but I got to put my stamp on this. I got to execute it to perfection. I got to make sure everything's out there exactly what the coaches have asked for and make sure I'm out there early because drills change, thoughts change on the fly and and they might need a hand shield. So be out there, be ready to to provide that. How did you get the skills necessary? Because you jumped to the Chargers in 2017, you're full-time, like, obviously, you're doing this well. Was this just, I mean, it's, it's not like there's college classes teaching you how to do what you do. Was this just on the job or mentors or different types of training? I mean, how did you really master this skill? The experience offered to me early on at Mission Viejo High School as a, as a student manager and even as a, as a grad assistant, as I stayed on after I graduated, I was, I was allowed to, to sit in on the meetings with the vendors and and how the ordering process happened and and even then the partnerships that 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 school had at the time with Nike and then later Under Armour how the ordering is done and even being empowered to fulfill the orders and and it's all approved by the head coach but he said okay this is this is how much money we have fulfill our order these are our needs yeah. do it and he he allowed the, uh, me to have that experience and at the time, you kind of take it for granted. You don't realize that this isn't an opportunity that every high school student is is uh, is offered. And I, yeah. I didn't have the education still to this day. I mean, I'm I'm currently getting my degree, but uh, I I didn't take the college courses that that might offer this this real world work experience. So it was all that that time spent at, at Mission Viejo, spending the time in the internship with the Cowboys and the seasonal internship, learning and and paying attention. That's, I mean, the best thing in, in this industry is, is experience. Yeah. You, you don't know how to handle a situation until you've seen something similar to it. 
and, and troubleshooting as fast as you can, but you're able to draw on past experiences. I love that attitude. And I also love the message. I know we're going to talk about this in a little bit that you are going back and getting your degree now, but there are a lot of people that want to work in the industry that maybe college isn't an option. And it's nice to know that you still can break in. You still can get noticed. You still can grow if you have the right attitude and you go about it the right way. So I think that's an important message to get out there. Okay. So you jumped to the Chargers in 2017, back to LA. I was coming home. Um, yeah, coming home. I mean, that's pretty cool. I can't can't go wrong doing that. Um, my career, I've come up in the sports media and I've worked at various different networks. And everyone's a little bit different. You know, everyone has their different way and attitude about doing things and their different approaches. What was that like for you going from an organization like the Cowboys to the Chargers? Was it a lot different? Was it pretty similar? What was that like? It, it was a new, new, uh, new opportunity, new path. The, the, the Cowboys, very well established in their marketplace. And, and then we're joining the Chargers as they're becoming the Los Angeles Chargers, entering a completely new marketplace. There's only one other team in that marketplace for the first time in my entire life. I, I, I've never known a, an L.A. team in my lifetime uh, other than, you know, University That's of Southern crazy. California. So yeah. it, it was it was the, the new opportunity and, and the, the, the challenges that, that were met in that first year. Uh, Chris Smith became the head equipment manager early on and uh all the assistants were kind of asked to step up and and you were offered new opportunities and and how you could step up in those roles and provide value so you hear the title equipment assistant and i think a lot of people can assume what that means and you've outlined some of it you know we get a vibe for what that entails what else goes into the role what and what are your some of your favorite parts of the job what keeps make keeps you happy doing it it's a really poorly kept secret, but uh, I, I do enjoy prepping the footballs. I don't know if you're familiar <laughs> with this process. There's a couple of videos out there that, that oh, uh, I'm, go, I'm unfortunately featured in. But uh, I, I was first introduced to this process when I was an intern in Dallas for that, or Oxnard rather, for that training camp. And, yeah. and I see them throwing mud on this thing and oil and brushing it. And I, I mean, again, I had no idea this process existed, but it just seemed so cool that there's so much that goes into this process, this, this thing, this ball, that's going to go soaring through the air. It didn't just get pulled out of the box and and put on the field. There was a lot of time, energy and, and uh, effort that went into it. And that goes for quarterback balls and kicking balls. And and both have a unique process that I I am uh, privileged to participate in the secret, the secret sauce. Okay. Wait, so, so let's work this back a little bit for one. I'm from Boston. I'm a Patriots fan. So I know more about ball scuffing and, and adjusting <laughs> than no most comment. people probably. Cause that part was, that was a big part of my life. I feel like for a couple of years there anyway, uh, we won't get into all that, but okay. Just as a human being, you've thrown footballs right out of the box. Absolutely. And I, now I guarantee you've thrown one after having manipulated it. How, how different is it? Is it like, it's, you know, that I mean, like it is crazy. It's really fun because again, I came up through the high school ranks and, and the way we broke them in in high school was you took them out to practice and you, you threw yeah. them along the grass or we practiced mm-hmm. with them for a few days. And, and my quarterbacks would, would pull me aside at one point during the week. Maybe it's Wednesday. Maybe it's Tuesday. Hey, these are ready. These are perfect. Yeah hide them yeah. away in the cabinet and, and they'll be ready for Friday night. This one so that was good, the ball yeah. prep process as I knew it. Yeah. And, and I always thought these guys were a little, let's, let's go with quirky because the quarterbacks could touch a ball <laughs> and they would say, man, this one's good. This one's not. I was like, what are you talking yeah. about, man? They're the same football. But as you really get into it and you even inspect a ball 
brand new out of the box. You can look at, I mean, these are, these are handmade footballs. So there are different imperfections in the ball or the leather, mm-hmm. the process, once it's completely prepped, I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's really cool. Really? Getting, like you can tell the difference out this finish. Oh, I mean, there's a side-by-side comparison. I can show you a brand new football out of the box. And, and then, the, and then once I've introduced the leather and the heat gun and the mud, this thing, the hide oh. is completely different. It's, it's dark. I love it's, this. It's got a, a nice feel to it. That's amazing. It's got to feel comfortable in your hand. It can't feel like this foreign object. Yeah. I always wondered if it was more of like a superstitious thing for the athletes or if it was actually like, you can feel the difference and you're saying it's different. The difference. And, and it's crazy. You'll put, you'll put balls out there and, and some last longer than others. I mean, again, the ball, the ball is shaped. It gets manipulated over time as, as guys are, you know, high and tight yeah. up against their yeah. chest, sweating all over it. You know, balls, balls have a shelf life as well. And, and you want only the best in the games. So does every quarterback have a little bit of a different style or technique? Like does Justin Herbert show up and he's like, no, 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 I don't use mud. I use this or whatever. Like, do they all have their own kind of unique recipe or is this just, it's a, we take the lead? It's an ongoing evolution. It, it, yeah. At first you would think that there's a recipe and a law and we're going to, this is the, the recipe. We're going to follow it to yeah. the letter. And, and this is, this is grandma's <laughs> secret recipe to the football. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not that it's a, it's an ever evolving process and and I love that. if you're not trying to tweak it and and improve on it then 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 why are we doing this we, we maybe we can always get better maybe, maybe maybe a little more mud maybe a little less mud i don't know maybe a little more oil maybe a little less oil i don't know <laughs> no, let's, you let's are. Play with you're this like a thing. chef i love this <laughs> <laughs> it's fun man it's like i said this is you're not able to to participate on the on-field product i i can't i can't do what justin does or or what any yeah. of the, the wide receivers are I can't, I can't participate in that way, but, but I can participate at this level. I can, I can help you out here. I can, I I can become known for this. Yeah. This is fun. This is, this is why we do it. I love that. I love, I love when people are passionate about what they do. Like, I'm so drawn to that. Like, I just think it's cool when people are really into their craft and really into their own performance and the way that they can make a difference. I think that's infectious. So, okay. Obviously you spend a lot of time with team and staff. It's a long season. A lot of practices throughout the year. There is really is no off season. Um, how important are those relationships that you form, and how whether it's with staff members, team, coaches, other departments to make that work environment positive? Because you're in the spotlight. It's a different world. How, how important is it to work on those relationships? And Coach Staley talks about it all the time. But but developing these relationships is the most important thing. This is this is a, an extension of your family because of how much time you spend with with people in your own department, equipment, and how closely you work with other departments, athletic trainers, videos, everyone on the football side that, that we're part of this family that, that takes this whole show on the road. Uh, and we're all working towards the same goal, hoping to win a championship. Yeah, and are the, are the players, um, and I don't want any insight into any specifics. I don't really care about that, and I don't want to pry. But like, are, are you surprised sometimes by the way they enact act within the family too, that they're just normal human beings. And they're just, cause most of the athletes that I've known and worked with, like you'd be amazed just how nice and cool and average and normal they are. And, and I think that most people are surprised to hear that. What's your experience been like? It's, I mean, and, and the culture and everything we're trying to develop and grow, but I've got a job to do the same as any player has a job to do. And, and I think there's that understanding and, and that appreciation, I appreciate their work as much as they appreciate my work. And, and our yeah. ultimate goal, anyone in the football side, in the football building, we're trying to, to help them. 
trying to help the coaches help them. We're trying to help the players help themselves right. and, and improve on field. That's, that's what it's all about. Yeah. No, I love that. Uh, so, okay, I have to ask you before we go any further, because I have just been curious about this for a really long time, and you're the right person to ask. We just got done with the NFL draft, and I'm a, one of those geeks that, like, stays up and watches it all the time and looks at every mock draft, and I just way get into the NFL draft. But I'm watching this production, and I'm enamored by how, I mean, coming from a media background, it almost is like they cover the NFL draft like the Super Bowl now. They've got tons of cameras, tons of stuff going on. But I still have this fascination with how a player gets drafted and they're able to get the jersey with the name on it like in the minute that they walk up to the stage. Like, is there some secret technique going on here to make they've, this thing happen super fast? They've got the name plates. They've got everything ready there and they're they're slapping it on. They're heat pressing it on as you're watching the the, the broadcast backstage. So it's just a heat pressing? Things. Yeah. They're not able to, to get it sewn on there that quickly. But then on our side of things with the team level, the seamstress is standing by. And, and, yeah. and there, Chris is calling over and, and letting them know, Hey, you know, we just signed, we just signed Zion. Yeah. Like, let's, let's get his name on a, on a number one Jersey because he he's coming in tomorrow for a press conference. And then, you know, it's, it's reaching out to the, to his college teams and, and getting the sizes and, and, and this data sharing and this information sharing, you want to collect as much information about that individual as you can. So when your time with him, it comes you, you already have some information. You already know his shoe size. You already know, you know, maybe what cleat he's worn in the past, his helmet style, all that stuff. So, and, and if you want to change, great, but at least we have a jumping off point because yeah. you're, you're offered so little time with them. Their, their demands on, on their first day in the building, all their media obligations, time with coaches as, as equipment managers, very important, but you're only offered uh, a, a certain amount of time. So as much data and information as you're able to collect in advance, you can make the most of that interaction. Yeah, make it as seamless as possible. And I'm, I'm, Zion's got some big jerseys and shoes, I'm guessing. So there's some work that needs he's to be a, done. He's a there. size 18. He's, he's, he's not a small foot. No, that's a big boy right there. He's going to move some mountains. Yes, or he is a mountain. Uh, okay, so you mentioned it earlier. So let's dig into this. You recently decided to go back and get your degree at Southern New Hampshire University. Why? Why did you decide to make that? I mean, you're you're already with the Chargers. You're already in pro football. You're already making a mark out there. You've got a great network. Why was it important for you to go back and get your degree? At first, you know, I, I, I like continuing to learn. Um, I recently got my certification with uh, AEMA, and I'm an active member in uh, PFEMS, Professional Football Equipment Managers. And, and those experiences, I was able to learn and grow and, and learn more. You, you're constantly growing and evolving. Each year, you yeah. go to the equipment managers' meetings, and and BioCore is presenting new data, and new information on on the equipment, on the helmets, on the cleats, and performance. So, in this industry, you have to constantly be evolving and, and learning. That was part of it was learning, but then also I wanted to improve my value. I I, I have the work experience, but it doesn't mean anything if I'm going up for a job in the future. And I don't have the education. This is a very competitive industry yeah. and, and experience and who you know and all those things don't matter if, if you have this, this giant hole there. We're okay. He's great. He looks qualified. Like you said, he's worked yeah. with the following teams, whatever. I, I didn't want that to, to limit my opportunities. And, and I'm very happy right now. And, and I, I see no end in sight. But I, I wanted to do it now while, while I had the time to, yeah. to go and, and improve myself as much as I could and continue to learn. 
I think it's a great asset. And I think being a continual learner is so important and trying to grow and raise that ceiling for yourself because the higher you want to get, I mean, the more experience and knowledge and education you can get only helps in that. So I think that's really cool. And Southern New Hampshire's got a great program. We've worked with them on our program with them uh, as one of our partner schools for our sports career game plan. So that's really cool, which is how we met. met. Yeah, this is, this has been a great conversation. I'm so excited to talk to you and get this insight, but we're always trying to spin it forward for the audience, helping young people who are trying to get into the industry, painting the picture for them, the different careers that are out there and how to get to these points. And it's, it's great to really investigate this channel for somebody being in equipment management because there's a lot of opportunities there at colleges and et cetera. So if somebody listening to our audience right now is hearing this from you and is feeling that, they're feeling the passion, they're like, oh, this is, this is cool. I could see myself doing that. What kind of advice would you give them? Are there certain skills they should focus on developing, certain avenues they should pursue? What's, what's your insight there? I mean, you said my work history speaks speaks to that quite a bit. Any opportunity that, that you're presented with, whether it's an internship, getting lunches for the NFLPA All-Star Game or whatever it is, make the most of those opportunities and, and do whatever you're assigned, whatever task you're assigned to, to its fullest. Do it above and beyond and, and be quick and efficient with it. But then anyone trying to get into equipment and we tell you know people going for internships within our own organization, this is the advice I offer them, you know, become active. Become a member of AEMA. Get your certification. It's it's a requirement right now in the NFL for all head equipment managers to be certified per the uh, the new collective bargaining agreement. And and as a result, many head equipment managers want their assistants also to be certified. It's not a requirement, yeah. but it, I mean, Chris will say he wants all his assistants to be yep. certified. And and I could never become a head guy if I didn't have that certification. And that's that continued learning. That's that's getting involved. It's it's all those things. Whatever opportunity you're afforded, do it to its fullest. I, it's a great attitude. It's the right way to build your brand because as, as we say all the time, every time you're out there performing your job is a, another impression you're making on others around you on how competent you are and building your personal brand and making people think about you. So putting that extra effort in and going the extras so important. So Chad, thank you so much for coming on, giving our audience a lot more insight into the operations and equipment management roles. Uh, this has really, really been a great conversation. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Brian. Thank you to Chad coming on this show. I think the perspective here is great. Chad built himself up, made connections, networked, proved himself on the job and had great opportunities come to him. And now, because he wants to raise his ceiling, he's going back to school to get his degree. I think it's really interesting. A lot of times we talk about breaking into the sports industry, how competitive it is. But sometimes you work hard, you earn your keep, you meet the right people, and you can find your path in that way too. Sometimes college isn't it for everybody. And it's nice to know that there's opportunities in our industry for those that maybe go at it a little bit differently. And I love that Chad circled back at the point though to say, I do want to get my four-year degree. So a lot of inspiration there from his journey and what he does and the interest in his role. And I don't know, it sounds pretty cool to me. So uh, another great career for you to consider in the sports industry as you figure out your journey. Thanks for listening. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen because that helps us grow and get new fans and get new people listening. And as we grow, we get even better and better guests. So it benefits everyone. Thank you, everyone. I'll see you on Monday.